picked up the load in Springfield and headed west towards LA. When I saw a man neath an overpass taking shelter from the rain, pulled my rig to the shoulder, then offered him a ride. He simply said, God bless you, son, as he climbed inside. I asked him where he was headed, he said just down the line. The kind and gentle way he spoke sent chills right down my spine. An old worn leather satchel, a torn tattered coat. I saw the wet blue paint there, and with his cans he had rolled. Trust Jesus, simply stated. Plainly written for everyone to see. Trust Jesus, a simple message. Poor sinner, did he put it there for me? home sir he said just here and there the work takes me from coast to coast his face worn with care his tired old eyes reflecting the sadness he had known his shoulders bent with sorrow for he knew no earthly home as we approached an overpass about the Kansas line he said, I'll get out up here, son, this will be fine. And only just a moment, he was gone with bag and coat. I saw the wet blue paint there, and with his cans he had rolled. Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show. We are powered by Dupree Financial Group, and here's our host, Tom Dupree. This song is by a guy named David Parmley. He, he's kind of a veteran of the bluegrass world. He's been on several people's albums, played with a lot of different people like uh, Del McCoury, uh, Rhonda Vincent, and uh, his father was also a well-known bluegrass banjo player. And I'm trying to remember who he played with, uh, Don Parmley. He might have been in the seldom scene, but, I, you know, these groups – Sometimes uh, they get confused for me. Uh, Don, uh, David Parmley, this guy here, was with the Bluegrass Cardinals. You know, the bluegrass world is a world I we used to be intimately familiar with, but we're talking about back in the 70s. Uh, my brother and I played a, a good bit of bluegrass together, and, you know, we played at a couple of festivals and things, and, it, these groups, um, they all had their own followings and different groups. Now, today, there's so many of them, I, I can't really keep up with them. Uh, lots of players out there, many of them very good. And you look at somebody like Allison Krauss, who came out of the bluegrass um, background, and she is 
now a massive success. Rhonda Vincent, who has done extremely well. Even somebody like, who's the girl from Pike County? She's a big country singer. Um, you know, she's. I can't singing, help you. That song, Timber, I'm Falling in Love, long time ago. I, I can't help you. I'm sorry. Oh, my God. You want me to Google it? No, it's Patty I, Loveless. I just came oh, up with Oh, good. You didn't need my help after all. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I, I thought you would have known that one. Anyway. You are the music aficionado. In well, you've heard of Patty Loveless. Okay. Right. You have heard of her. Absolutely. Okay. Heard of, but don't have intimate working knowledge of her. Well, I don't either. Songs. She's a force. And a lot of them, what they do is that it seems to me like they come up through the bluegrass ranks and it's, it's well, like Ricky Skaggs, like Vince Gill. They all came up through bluegrass and then they get this wider following and they go kind of mainstream country and that's where they make their big money. But it's interesting. Vince Gill is back to playing bluegrass. He plays with a band called the time jumpers. Um, and they play every Monday night at a place called Third and Lindsley. Um, I guess, I don't know, somewhere in Nashville. But uh, so some of them come back to bluegrass, well, after they made a billion dollars doing country. Today, the song number 23, I, I keep going back to it. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I can say that that psalm has actually come true in my life, personally. Uh having been through dark times, well, anybody who's ever, who's been in the investment business as long as I have has been through dark times. Then sometimes these dark times in business can also affect your personal life to where, you know, you're going through dark times in business and personally, things look bad at times. I can also say that, having depended upon God as best I can, um, meaning that I consciously decide to um, put my burdens in his hand. How do you do that? Well, it's... It's both active and passive. You make the attempt to place them in his hands. Then it's a passive thing. 
very difficult for type A type people to understand how you would do that because it's not the way I'm wired. I'm wired to fix things, to do things, to take action. And in many cases, much of what I've been able to accomplish has occurred despite me sometimes even. I, I didn't even I had nothing to do with the way some of the good things unfolded in my life other than to show up for them. And that's a fact. There are many things that I've been blessed with that I did not earn. So, you know, I can't claim credit for a lot of the good things that have happened to me. At the same time, I have to do my part and cooperate with a power greater than me. I call I choose to call that God. Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit, the power of God working in my life. And the older I get, the more I see, you know, I didn't so much choose him, he chose me. Which I don't think I would have ever had the foresight or the mindset to choose God. We live in a really great country. We've been blessed. So much of our civil government, I think, is a gift from God. But there are times uh, that anything can become... complacent, uh, non-viable, the, the most vital living, breathing thing can become dead, putrid in the way, and needing to be sloughed off. Let's talk about Congress and specifically the Senate. Now, Congress is composed, it seems to me, of younger people, people that are, they have to be a little more entrepreneurial because they've got to run every two years. they got to keep getting elected. And I'm, I think, pretty good friends with our congressman, and I know he stays hustling but in the senate uh, they get elected for six-year terms the idea originally of the senate was they were supposed to be appointed and they were considered to be people of great stature and then i think it might have been 80 to 100 years ago they started electing senators the same way they do uh, congressmen and other elected offices so they had to run for things now, senators are considered more senior, and they tend to be around a long time. Case in point, Mitch McConnell. Um, I don't know how long he's been senator. You might know. You can find it for me. Um, but it's been a long time, 25, 30 years, maybe longer. 
And there are other senators like him that have been in, in office for years. In fact, the Senate has always been kind of known for its old men, and now it's starting to be known for its older women, like Dianne Feinstein and uh, McConnell. He was first elected to the Senate in 1984. Okay, that's 40 years, basically. Before that, he was a deputy U.S. assistant attorney general and a judge executive in Jefferson County. Yeah, he was their, their county judge. So 39 years, okay, that's 40 years. So I think he's right. He was born in 42, I think, or was is it 40 or 42? He's 81 years old. Yeah. All right. Now, 81, I know a lot of people that are in their 80s, and they don't freeze up standing on a stage and not be able to talk. But our senator from Kentucky did the very thing the other day. Nobody, believe me, nobody in the state Republican Party of Kentucky is going to be talking about this very much because Mitch is greatly feared and respected. Basically, he isn't loved, but he's feared and respected for his power, the ability to wield power if you have something that needs to be done. He has a lot of control over a number of things. But I would argue that to a certain degree, his power and his control in some ways has cost Kentucky as much as it's helped it. People would dispute me, tell me I'm wrong. How can you say such a thing? McConnell has brought so much federal money to this state. What happens to a state that is brings in, I don't know, a dollar seventy to two dollars in federal money for every dollar it pays in taxes? Like a crack addict, it becomes dependent upon those federal dollars for lots of things and its economy becomes weak Uh, and we certainly have that kind of situation in Kentucky there are exceptions there are places in this state where entrepreneurialism is growing places like Bowling Green southern Kentucky many places across the southern part of this state where there is entrepreneurialism northern Kentucky close to Cincinnati pockets of entrepreneurialism but we have big stretches throughout this state where it's it's very government dependent how is it that that our senate in this country is such that that people that really have to be held together with bailing wire and and tape can go up and sit in the Senate and vote on things. You've got Diane Feinstein. You've got this guy from Pennsylvania. It's crazy. Everybody knows he's he's barely able to function. I can't think of the You're guy. You're talking about the newly elected fellow. Yeah, I cannot think of his name. He had to go leave the Senate for a month or two because he had a bout with, with – uh, uh, clinical depression and 
right right after he was elected, he yeah, also had I mean, a serious was, stroke. He had a he? stroke. They propped him up. John Fetterman. Yes. And who knows whether they the votes got counted the way they needed to be to get him in. You got that guy. You got Mitch McConnell. And then there's other people that you don't know. It's like you look at them and you hear them talk, and it's like the the lights are on, but there's nobody home. The Senate is a very ossified institution, and it seems in some ways that it that really needs something like age limits or and you know this has been this way for for decades uh you had people like uh robert bird in there uh john stennis uh um the guy from south carolina uh what was his name um i can i can see him but i can't remember his name the older senator from south carolina years ago um and you know these guys they're 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 in kentucky there's nobody in the republican party who will rise up and challenge mitch mcconnell it's not gonna strom thurmond uh is the guy from south carolina there it's not going to happen well, Rand Paul has has challenged him a lot, just not for a, a senior position. But he's challenged philosophies a lot. But he doesn't. He can't run for his seat. He's already got a seat. Right. But you said there's nobody in the Republican Party that would challenge. You're talking about I'm people talking that about are unelected. Run against him. Okay. Run against okay. him in, in a primary. Um. So it, you know, if it were a Democrat. They're going to be a liberal. But in a sense, you look at uh, McConnell, and he seems so compromised that it may as well be a Democrat on certain things. He, he reminds me of what an old friend said about bankers. They will hold your umbrella for you until it starts raining. If it starts getting difficult, somebody like McConnell is going to sniff which way the wind is blowing. But what he's done over the years is consolidate power so that he has his own power base, his own consolidation of power. And it's, he's about perpetuating what he's built. I don't have an answer for this. If I felt that it would make a difference, I would run against McConnell myself, knowing that, you know, it might cost me everything I've got, or it could help. Who knows? I would have almost no chance of winning. I mean, and it, it's like the dog that chases the freaking car, and the car stops and he bites on the bumper. And it's like, well, I caught it. Now what am I going to do? I would feel that way if I <laughs> if I got elected senator. It's like, oh, no. You mean I got to go there and do this crap? I don't think I could do it. But <laughs> there's a side of me that says, 
damn, that would be fun, you know, getting into the debates and just absolutely, you know, contesting these issues and um, and do, and and debating the stuff because I think there are so many. I mean, I've been told that McConnell doesn't even know how the Treasury bond market works. But because he's brought home so much bacon and for the Republicans, they'll never say anything negative about him. That's why, by the way, people have told me they listen to this show and they say, oh, you're a Republican. No, I'm not. I'm an independent. I'm a registered independent. (laughs) I don't even know if you can be a registered independent. It's like checking no on the box. Because the reason I'm that way is because when I was county judge, the Republican Party of Fayette County was always telling me I had to be at all these events. And I said, no, I'm not going to be at these events because I don't do this stuff. I don't kiss babies unless they're mine. So I, I just resigned from the Republican Party, and I can't stand either party. But the Republicans tend to be more aligned with, obviously, my philosophy, or at least they say they are. I'm not sure they are. But all right, stay with us. Go ahead. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show. Remember, success in retirement begins with a plan, not a chance. Call us at Dupree Financial Group, 859-233-0400. You can go to our website, dupreefinancial.com, and book a meeting with us directly on our homepage. We'll be back in just a few minutes with more with Tom Dupree. Stay tuned. This is Tom Dupree. What do you know about investing? Perhaps what you know is limited to what you hear on CNBC or read in the Wall Street Journal. You might be surprised to learn that investing can be made a lot simpler than you might imagine. At Dupree Financial Group, it's our aim to make the investment process very clear. If you schedule a complimentary appointment with us to review your retirement investment accounts, we'll describe them for you. Call Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400. Also, be sure to listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at www.dupreefinancial.com.
sailing and we'll have a life that's new tis rock the bay just clap for me Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show, powered by Dupree Financial Group. Here's our host, Tom Dupree. So th- that's a guy named Joe Val. His real name is Joseph Valiante. He was born in Everett, Massachusetts. Lived in the Northeast all his life. He listened to Bill Monroe and Jimmy Rogers and some of those uh, bluegrass folks, I guess, on the radio. Uh, he was born in 1926, died in 1985. He's only 58 years old. He was a typewriter repairman during the day, but he played bluegrass, I guess, on the weekends and at night. And, you know, when I first heard, when I first heard him on the radio, uh, it might have been WSGS and Hazard. Uh, I thought he sounded like he was from Heinemann or somewhere. You know, I I thought at first I thought he was one of the Osborne brothers, and then uh, you know I started listening, and it, it wasn't either one of the Osborne brothers. It was it was this guy Joe Val from New England. Now, you're not going to believe this. There is a big bluegrass presence in Switzerland, Japan. Yeah, I know, funky, ain't it? But there it bluegrass has been a thing that has really been a big deal around the world it's not like country the 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 kind of money is not there that you don't get the big shows but uh, i'm just trying to imagine get the visual of what that looks like and what that sounds like in japanese well that that language i think they might sing in english i'm not sure I mean, just I've, think I've heard about that of for a minute. Bluegrass yeah. bands in in Japan, but I I do not know much about them. I know there are for, some from Switzerland, some of whom came to bluegrass festivals in the U.S. But you know, so part of where I want to go with this is a year ago there was flooding in eastern Kentucky, severe. Forty five people were killed. It it came up real fast, and it. Um, it was quicker than, than anybody imagined, and it did tremendous amounts of destruction. Um, about a month and a half later, we went up to Alice Lloyd College uh, to give a really a seminar on investing to, to one of the classes up there. And um, a lot of stuff had been cleaned up because I know FEMA 
got very involved in it. But what's happened, uh, consequently, is it's become very, very hard for people to build back because uh, flood insurance and FEMA and the whole process have made it very difficult to release funds you know, to do to do what's needed to be done. But today, I think a great deal about Eastern Kentucky. And, you know, I've lived in Lexington for basically 60 years. We moved here from a small town in Eastern Kentucky where I was born. Uh, I didn't, it was a big rude awakening to me. This was not what I would call a very friendly place, despite what people say. Now, over the years... So give a time frame. You were six or six, seven years six, old. 1963. So that was in 1963. Yeah, we moved on to Summit Drive. It was, it was a scary place for a little child from the mountains where, you know, Harlan's a rough place too, but it was, everybody knew each other. They knew your family. This was, you know, very alienating feeling compared to, that little womb-like existence on Mound Street in Harlan, right at the foot of Ivy Hill, the hollers and things like that. You just, you know, there was a familiarity to it that uh, I still, you know, know people from there. We not we don't stay in real close touch, but that's been 60 years. But the thing about Kentucky is – Through and through, despite the fact that there are different regions of this state, my mother's family was from far down in western Kentucky, all the way as far as you can go, Fulton. And my dad's father was born even farther west place called columbus kentucky which is right on the mississippi river so to some and then granddaddy was you know lived in louisville with his uncle and dad was born there so we and they lived in northern kentucky for a while kind of been all over the state my dad has a farm had a farm in somerset so it's been a pretty wide range of exposure throughout the state of kentucky the thing that distinguishes all Kentuckians is the fact <laughs> that they're from Kentucky, which sounds very elementary, but there's a knowledge of each other that you don't have in Tennessee, for instance. And I went to school in Tennessee. Tennessee has very distinct regions west central or middle they call it here we call it central kentucky in tennessee they call it middle tennessee and east tennessee they are not similar uh you don't have a lot of ut fans in nashville or memphis but in kentucky you have uk fans all over the state. So there's more of a cohesiveness here. 
The problem with this state for many, many years has been our politicians have told us we are a poor state. I remember Greg Stumbo when he was running for governor or something. He said, we're a poor state. Almost like it was a badge of honor that we he got to say we're a poor state. Therefore, we need uh, a governor that sort of is like a school teacher with a bunch of kids that are learning disabled. That's been the view towards this state, I believe. And, I, and I've gotten out and seen a lot of people. There is something so much bigger in the people of Kentucky. And I'm not just talking about Lexington. There is nothing more noxious than the central Kentucky attitude that thinks that this place is the center of the world. Nothing more noxious and obnoxious. But you go somewhere like, uh, I don't know, Somerset, or you go to uh, Danville even. You go to Prestonsburg. You go somewhere like Livingston, Kentucky, Mount Vernon, McKee, Dry Ridge, E-Town, Litchfield, Kentucky, Princeton, Kentucky, Russellville, Bowling Green, Marabone, Glasgow, these places. They know they're dependent upon the rest of the state. In Lexington, we don't know that. We don't feel that. We feel like we're dependent upon ourselves, that we are above everybody. Even people in Louisville seem to have a little more humility than what I see sometimes here. So you cannot judge the rest of the state looking at Lexington and Fayette County, Kentucky. That's not to say everybody here is like that. If it wasn't for Eastern Kentucky, UK would not be near what it is because, believe me, the big money coming into UK is through the hospital. It ain't academics, and it is to some degree athletics, but those are both dwarfed by the receipts at the UK hospital. So that's a big thing in Lexington. But we have become too focused and too narcissistic about our role in the universe. This is a big state. It can be a lot. It needs to think bigger. I don't know. I, I Maybe it, do I sound like I'm running for office or something? I don't know. I'm, I'm just thinking about Kentucky. Let's hope not. Well, yeah. Let me t say a word about hazard. So when I, you know, for years, hazard was considered in some ways the capital of eastern Kentucky. You could argue now that it's probably Pikeville. Hazard has certainly, to some degree, been eclipsed by Pikeville. But Hazard 
had a character of Eastern Kentucky. Pikeville almost at times feels like it's not even really part of the state. It's like it's in West Virginia or something. It's really far east. Yes, it's Kentucky for sure. But it's on the Big Sandy River, which flows kind of east along the West Virginia border. Uh, Hazard, on the other hand, is up on the headwaters of the Kentucky River, which flows down towards central Kentucky. And, you know, your uh, rafts, log rafts and things would come out of the mountains that direction towards central Kentucky. Anything out of Harlan, you couldn't put a log raft together up there because you got to get across Cumberland Falls. You ain't taking a log raft from Harlan down to Nashville. Not happening. You got a 150-foot falls in there or 80 feet. I don't know how high. A big drop. Something you don't want to go over. No. So there was no flatboat traffic coming out of Harlan down to, you know. Now, anything south of there, you could have riverboat traffic all the way up, I understand, to Burnside. But that was that part of the Cumberland River. But you could bring stuff straight out of the mountains all the way down to Lexington and Frank, or, well, not Lexington, but Southern Fayette County. Frankfurt really is where they unloaded a lot of things. And uh, there was commerce. You know, um, the little savings and loan in Hazard merged with the one in Frankfurt. Well, those ties go way back. Those commercial ties. That didn't just happen out of nowhere. What we as Lexingtonians need to do is understand our state better. Understand where we are in this place that we call Kentucky. Understand the economy of it. I'm going to tell you one thing. We are not going to become an all-electric car economy in five years. And Kentucky has remarkable mineral resources that can be used for decades, maybe centuries. Here's the other thing. Timber. We are growing timber in this state faster than we're cutting it. The timber resources here need to be properly managed. If you just let timber sit in the woods and fall over, you're just creating the kindling for the next massive forest fire. There needs to be proper harvesting of timber. That means logging, including in the national forest. And, and groups that go in and try to sue them every time they try to do a timber sale, you're just making it worse the next time there is a major dry spell and i mean where it gets where it's dry from april to september and it's going to happen again and these forests can burn for a long time we need to properly manage our timber resources there's a lot of people in the business that don't do a good job logging but it can 
with correct forestry practices, timber can continue to be a really big thing for us. Agriculture. This is going to sound very controversial, but the city of Milwaukee's done this for years. We need to recycle our sewage waste into fertilizer and build back the nutrient base in our fields. If you've ever been to Home Depot, there's a product there called Milorganite. It comes straight out of the Milwaukee sewer system. But proper composting, where you do the composting and it gets to 130 degrees, it kills all the microbial uh, problems, including cysts that are uh, viruses and things like that. The, the composting process, if, if done properly, makes it an absolutely clean, microbe-free uh, soil that's full of nutrients. We have got to figure out how to get more vegetables and to do a better job and, and get off of the chemical fertilizers that are polluting our waterways, herbicides, pesticides, and it's going to take a long time <clears throat> to convert over to what many call organic farming, but which, you know, the standards for organic farming can be somewhat arbitrary. What we really need are microbes in our soils that are creating a healthy soil environment. This state has everything it needs to be not only self-sufficient, but to you could feed half of Fayette County on some of these farms on 100 acres, properly grown organic farming where you, and it's going to take years to build that soil, but the what can be grown is unbelievable. And I'm just a gardener that's really getting started. I've been doing it for 15 years or so, and I'm learning the miracle of what can happen with good soils. That's another thing we should think about. All sorts of things. This state has such grand potential. And so often I go places and I just see us failing, but we don't have to. We've got to get better political leadership people that are not focused on expediency, doing something quick and easy, people that are willing to go the long haul, to run two or three races and lose and finally win. You know, and, 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 but, but do it for the right reasons, not for the ego, not to try to make oneself popular, but to simply care about the state of Kentucky and this is this is the thing I have a vision for but I feel like at this age you know I got to find some young people that want to do this too because and I look around at these young people and it's like they're just drifting they don't have any vision you know and I don't know how I got it but I feel like I do but about all I can do right now is talk about it well, I don't know that you had it 20 years ago as much. I think some of it comes with... I was trying to with, survive and make right, a living. That's right. But some of it comes with wisdom. And I think... Keep the, you happy. Oh, Lord. And I think that um, 
the importance is people that that have the wisdom and age behind them support the young people who have the energy to implement. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show. And want to do it, you know, and, 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 and want to implement it. Get after it. Life may be unpredictable, but your retirement plan doesn't have to be. Call us, 859-233-0400. Or you can go to our webpage and schedule an appointment directly on our homepage of our website. As I said, you've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show with our host, Tom Dupree. We'll be back in a few minutes with more to come. Tis rock of ages.